Hello, welcome to the Power of Play podcast. I'm Megan, and this is Amanda Chandler. <laughs> and then welcome to Power of Play. This is a podcast where we discuss um, the value of play in early childhood education and adolescence and adulthood. Um, I am a early Head Start teacher here in San Diego, California, and this is Amanda Chandler, and she'll go over her credentials. Um, I'm a uh, teacher. I teach seventh grade um, public school in Philadelphia. Um, I have my undergrad degree in um, social studies education specifically and history, and I also have my master's degree in urban education because, you know, I, I like to spend time with them city babies. <laughs> yes, you do. And welcome and thank you for coming on to today's episode. Today's episode, um, we're talking about screens and technology in early childhood and adolescence, what its impact is and how um, screen time should be valued in our growing educational and growing technology society. Um, we're going to start by talking about um, the Power of Play book by um, David Elkins. He discusses the impacts that technology have had that kind of recede the um, the impact of play and kind of take it away. Um, there's a fear of play decreasing in our society because of all the technology that we have. We see children going outside less. We see children um, staying inside more. We see children as young as two with iPads, iPhones, and social media. Um, so we're going to be asking some questions, giving our professional opinions on them, and just having a little discussion on the impact of media in early childhood and adolescence. So one of the first questions I have um, that I always debate, I get into really heated debates um, about this with um, my family and parents, um, is screen time bad? Do hmm. you think screen time's bad? Um, no, I don't. Um, like I have, when I, when I talk about my future kids, I do have like the personal opinion of, I want low screen time for when my kid's little and building up to, you know, their own autonomy with it. Uh, but as somebody who uses technology in her classroom every single day, uh, I almost completely rely on it. I Same. Just... I use the smart board every day. Literally, my, all my kids are one-to-one -one with their Chromebooks, so each of them has a singular laptop. And it, the level of accessibility I can get with screens uh, that I would not have um, just on, you know, pencil and paper is um, invaluable. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a motivational um, change in the um, the old school lecture style teaching, um, right. changing um, now to a more dynamic approach where the kids are now right. um, more engaged in what they're doing because they're on a screen. The screens yeah. we could use to our advantage. Um, and that's one of the ways that screen time can be good. It's very right. good to monitor it. It's very good to control it. Um, we don't want them to have the full independence, especially starting out early, um, especially two-year-olds, they're starting screen time early. I'm seeing my two-year-olds, they know how to say YouTube. They say, uh, Miss Megan, I wanna watch YouTube. I wanna watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse on YouTube. And they I'm even there. know how to pull it up. They That's know how to pull it up on the smart board. Oh my God. 
And so they know they have this like iconic literacy. They see yeah. these icons and even though they can't read the That's word so YouTube, they know that that little red logo is for YouTube. Mm. And they see that Mickey Mouse head in the recently viewed and they're going to click it. So they That's know so that there's, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's so interesting because it's almost like sight words. How like the way that they're teaching um, literacy or they have taught literacy. I know we're moving back to phonics now, but um, the way mm. they have taught literacy in the past is saying like there are certain words that just don't work phonetically. And you just got to know like it, a, is, and if you know them on site, you don't have to worry about them. It's almost as if these kids have that, that kind of on site literacy for these icons that's crazy mm -hmm. that's because children are competent like we as teachers we study it and we know that children are competent um but a lot of the time um i hear language like oh they don't know how to do that yet but if you watch them and you observe them from afar the amount of things that they know and that they pair and they make their little right. schemas for and categorize things is far beyond what we think that they could do even at young ages. Um, so yeah. my next question is, how can screen time be good? We'll start with my opinion um, in the early childhood setting because I'm the early Head Start um, teacher. Um, I work with children that are about 18 months up until three years old when they're ready for the preschool um, setting. Um, the way that um, screen time can be good, um, I use screen time for circle time every single day we really? have a very good uh, routine with the kids we play um the hello song by um what was that gracie's corner i absolutely I love, love gracie's, gracie's corner. corner gracie's <laughs> corner is so cute we sing the good morning song and my kids they dance to it. They look at her and they see how she's dancing and they'll shimmy their shoulders too. They're like, good morning. And they love it. So, and that's their routine for them. I believe that while I'm there facilitating this video and they're participating by dancing and getting up and moving, there's no negative impact. If they're not brainwashed by these screens, like some people believe. Um, in adolescence, how do you incorporate screen time to be good? So screen time is very interesting. I've said, I feel like we don't really understand how, how much it is integrated into our current world, um, in terms of like, uh, these kids have been with these screens from jump, from littleness. Mm -hmm. So by the time they get to seventh grade, they're over here like, Miss Chandler, you don't know what you're doing on the smart board. I'm going to fix it right now. They're my little IT department. You know Unlike us, we had to learn everything. I know, I know, because like I like we were talking before about how we lived we lived in the dial-up and the high-speed era. We were right in the middle. We were growing up. <laughs> we were gonna ignore that. Um, we are growing up in the boom of all of that technology. So by the time my kids get to seventh grade, they know how to use computers, but they don't have any actual like academic skills with them. That's what's interesting mm -hmm. is they- And that's why, that's why people have this um, kind of hatred towards technology. They think that this generation's different because right. since they grew up with technology and their lack of academic skills that they have now are kind of like a cause and effect when there's right. so many more- factors that play into that it's about it's about a, be, being effective with your mm -hmm. 
with your screens. So for my class, I taught social studies for the four years. I'm moving to ELA this upcoming year, but I've taught social studies for four years. Those computers are invaluable. It is so great to when I'm literally telling students about history, they can verify it right then and there. If I'm talking to them about the Black Plague uh, in medieval Europe, them, I mean, middle schoolers, they have a very like morose sense of interest. So they're immediately Googling all of the symptoms. They're like, this yeah. is disgusting, this channel. What is this? This is nasty. But it, but it, it adds layers to the learning. It adds context mm -hmm. and layers to what we're And it gives about. some critical thinking skills too, because right. now they're participating in the research and they don't know right. it. They don't right. know that they're researching these topics. Even mm -hmm. my kids in the early Head Start, they asked me a question. They're like, why is the bee like crawling on the floor? And I was like, well, let's watch a video about bees. Let's see right. why the bee crawls There's on the floor. So and we're like, well, it's cold outside. The right. bee is cold. He doesn't want to fly because it's too cold and his wings it are like icy. Gives, it, gives, it gives us as educators right at the fingertips like further learning. We don't have mm -hmm. to do a lot of digging to find further learning. And then you also have the interactive apparatuses as my favorite. Nearpod, I love um, Kahoot, all of those things. The things that make the learning fun. Learning is so dry sometimes without the screens. And it's not because we have, we don't spend time without them. It's because they're so engaging and they're so, mm -hmm. and it's so much fun. It just adds an extra layer to it. For example, I teach geography, right? I teach geography every single year, every single year without fail them kids hate geography. I'm telling you they hate geography. I, I hate geography. I know, everybody does. I love <laughs> maps. I love geography. I love the latitudes and the longitudes and I love the, the cultures and all of the social aspects. I love all of it. But mm -hmm. I, the only time I was ever able to make geography interesting was when we went and started using 3D manipulatives. Now, yes. we use 3D manipulatives in a, a rote, non-screen way when we use clay. We use clay in my class and we make um, different landforms to learn more about uh, what landforms look like on the water and how they interact with each other. But then we also can go on and we can look at a literal 3D representation of the earth and it's manipulative. So the students mm -hmm. can take their mice, they can take their mice and move the earth around. And as the earth moves, as you move it around, the sun moves with it. So it's so you can see the way that the earth uh, moves in its own orbit. Um, you can mm -hmm. literally, I'm, I'm teaching about the Colosseum. We're doing a 3D uh, uh, manipulative of the Colosseum. You can go into the Colosseum. You can go on top of it. You can see all of the And they can interact with it on their own. They're making their own right. choices. They're choosing right. their own paths. And, and I do the same thing in my classes. I use um, my babies. I don't let them really um, use the technology in the way that your older kids can because they have right. the more developmental appropriate skills for that level. But I do live streams of the zoo. Um, we have the San Diego Zoo live stream um, and we set it to whatever animal. We're like, Susie, pick an animal today. And she's like, mm -hmm. I want to see the giraffes. And so we pull up the live stream of the giraffes and they get to watch them. They know their names. They know um, which draft is which. I don't know which draft is which. But uh, they know which draft. How is cute! Which. 
um and they watch them every morning that's kind of like our morning routine we have the live stream on we have some um baby lo-fi music going on and they just kind of chill out watch the things um and then i have like a helper set of breakfast so the technology is there my biggest opinion is that we should just use it right and the thing is is not only are we using it it's it's we have to use it intentionally i think the mm -hmm. biggest problem and misconception with technology is that people don't understand that if you hand a child a phone and leave it at that that child is not going to be building any developmental skills that's why mm -hmm. when they get to seventh grade when they get to me they don't have any academic skills with technology because no one's teaching them that no one's being intentional with the technology if you're intentional with the technology it opens up a thousand doors and let's not talk about the accessibility of it all because mm -hmm. like Everybody wants to say, everybody wants to say the kids should just go out and play. And I'm not disagreeing with that, but I have a master's in urban education for a reason. I have kids that can go outside and play and they're on the basketball court every single day with their friends. And then I have kids where they don't live somewhere that is safe enough for them to be outside. They straight exactly. up just don't. So and the environment like, surrounding them, play? how do we... Yeah, how do you I'm get sorry. play indoors? Like... You can, there's, there, you can do a lot of play indoors without screens, but the screens add an extra element to the same landscape inside your house that you're seeing every day. Mm -hmm. And we're developing, like toys are developing as technology is developing. Toys aren't the right. same as they were back in the day. Um, almost like over half of toys now have a technology component to them now. Right. Um, and so kids aren't playing with toys the same way that they're playing with toys that we did when we were younger, um, like with our Polly Pockets. We just weren't right. using oh, screens with those. But now um, I see Polly Pockets and you could take pictures in an app of your Polly Pocket, download the clothes in the app, print out the pictures. Wow. Um, it's insane that the tide changed. I wish I had that when I was a kid. I would have I would have had so many cool outfits. You can even like download the and free outfits in the store. That goes right back to that accessibility thing I was saying. You might not be able to buy every single outfit that Polly Pocket has. They sold those mm -hmm. outfits separately. They sold them one by one. But if you at home or at the library can print out the different outfits for your new little Polly Pocket, that just allows you to play and to use your imagination and use your little fashion skills um, to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. And it also teaches kids practical skills, especially when right. they get older and they're in high school. Um, I know some kids in high school, they wanted to be fashion designers. And that's something that that career is solely done on the computer now. Right. Um, people are using iPads to draw and draw up their fashion designs now. People are using um, graphic design careers. Right. There's careers now that we can kind of show kids and kind of model um, different programs in this tech to help them prepare for those careers and we could utilize it in a more functional way. Right. Like, for example, I was doing drama club this past year and there are aspects of drama club that are pure writing. You know, script writing is never going to be doesn't matter how many computers you have. You got to be able to write that mm -hmm. hones that skill. But then at the same time, you get editing skills in there. You get uh, blocking skills. How do you set up a scene? There were so many different aspects to filmmaking that my students got to engage in because my school had um, won a grant to get technology, to get a mm -hmm. boom mic, 
to get editing software, to have someone who knows how to use editing software at our disposal at our school, to have video cameras, SD cards, microphones, like the clip mics, the hand mics. We got all of that technology and all it did was open up more doors to what we could do with our students. Because Drama Club with technology and Drama Club without technology, you have Drama Club maybe on the stage, but then you have drama in production, which is what I was able to do, which mm -hmm. was we're acting in here, we're writing in here, we're editing in here, we're doing all of the aspects that come into filmmaking. And if that's something that you want to pursue on later, you have had that experience at 12. Yeah, like, thanks to the technology. And mm -hmm. even though that there was so much tech in that room, those kids were learning vital social skills. Right. Those kids were learning how to collaborate on a project right. um, in person and remotely. Mm -hmm. um, remote um, collaboration skills is something that society's heading towards. And right. we're learning, we're doing this podcast remotely. Like, I mean, I we're doing, <laughs> I mean, you're on the other side of the country, but we're doing things remotely now. And um, we, like, we teach, we teach, we treat um, education as a race um, right. often. And, but we don't want to keep up with technology. So That's it's a catch twenty two. <laughs> oh it's a catch twenty two. Like they tell us all the time, um, hey, um, we have to only do We're thirty minutes of YouTube in this country in literacy and math and blah 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 blah. But then, like mm -hmm. you know, the uh, but the, don't use ABC mouth. That's what I'm saying. And the thing, too, is uh, everybody always fights for technology on my end, on the seventh grade level, but I run a nonprofit. You know what I'm saying? I have run summer camps. Summer camp's my jam. I love that. I Do you know how many rainy days there are? There's only so many times you can have them run around a gym. There's only so many times you can have them run around the, the auditorium. Technology adds a dimension into that landscape. When you have, when we've, we've, we've played in the gym, we've played in the, in the theater, we've played in this room, we played in a, the cafeteria. Now we're back in the classrooms. You put the fifth graders on Just Dance. They love that. They don't need to Just have the Dance technology. is so valuable. I, know. I love stuff like that. They My boyfriend in his high that. school, he had um DDR class. That's like there I'm was saying. a class that was just dance dance revolution. And it's just school. the the whole I think idea of the power of play is sometimes technology is used intentionally to almost force play. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. otherwise you'd be bored. And there's bored on your phone consuming anything, because let's not get started with that regulation uh or there's uh the whole class is going to do just dance or the whole group is going to do those my favorite for the little littles is those interactive videos that sh as if you're running in the jungle and there's yes, the brain breaks over. yes the kids love those and it gets they really do active. it gets them active it changes the space it adds to their imagination they go home telling their moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas i ran through the rainforest today at camp mm -hmm. and they're so excited about that that's that's very like it's so exciting we're like remember when we went to we went to super nintendo world recently and yeah. um a little bit of spoilers but we went inside to bowser jr's castle and that was an interactive video game it was with so our fun. bodies it was we so Mario. cool it was so fun. we were in the game it looked at our bodies and made our shadows like on the wall actual right. video game characters and then which that was that so cool make our shadows do would manipulate the space it would manipulate the game and it was in just real so time active. yeah i was out here out of breath 
off that mm-hmm. little junior Bowser, maybe Bowser Junior game. Like <laughs> these kids just... are getting valuable skills. They're moving, they're jumping, they're having fun. Um, right. And it's more motivating for them. The children right. are seeing the technologies advancing and they want to participate in it. Right. And they should participate in it. And it's our job as educators to um, mold it and fit it to their needs by right. observing them, watching them, and having understanding of technology like if we understand technology we can totally um manipulate it to work for them go ahead and that's the thing i think we cannot inherently say technology is good or bad technology is a tool you can Mm -hmm. use a tool for good you can use a tool for bad we can't inherently say there's a problem with technology we can't inherently say technology affects children negatively or positively because it depends on the way that uh parents and educators and adults in these children's lives are implementing that technology in mm-hmm. my class we have days where we don't use the technology at all because i want to work, want you to work on certain rote skills and then i have days where i'm like you need to learn how to research because y'all telling me stuff that you're seeing on the twitter and it's not accurate <laughs> <laughs> that is not a credible source or they coming up to me with TikTok videos, Miss Chandler, you heard da 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 da, and I'm like, that doesn't sound real, and it doesn't mm-hmm. sound real to me because I know what sounds real and what doesn't sound real. I told you my kids don't know how to cheat. I told you that they copy and paste straight from the internet, put it right on the box of the assignment that I gave them. They don't even change the background mm-hmm. to not show that white background that comes with copy and pasting from the internet. That's a lack yes. of skill, and that's that, that. But that's showing that they know how to use technology, right? But they don't know how and to use. Ahead of the game. They're ahead of a lot of teachers who are very behind and have this like in deep in like just deep set hatred of technology. Mm -hmm. They hate technology. The kids are validating that hatred by using it as it's developing. So they're smart. They know how to use it. They know how to use it to their benefit. Why not let us just let them use it, but teach them how to use it in a way that promotes the skills that they're learning like when i do phonics with my um four-year-olds my three and four-year-olds um we used an ipad each kid got their own ipad and they would watch videos of the tracing and then they would copy it on the ipad and i would be able to kind of edit the sounds that the ipad Mm -hmm. made so if a kid wanted their sound to be like scratching chalk on a whiteboard they would be able to use their finger to trace the o and it would make the sound that a chalkboard makes um Mm. without that kind of sensory grit that comes with on a chalkboard i Mm. hate that too and a lot of my sensory babies did not like it either um but also um we use slime on the ipad because slime in my 20 minutes phonics class was not an option the cleanup would have been the whole time but we used slime on the ipad so they got the squishy sensation of the slime um on the app but they were also able to trace their letters and wow be um like one of the things that i especially when i was going for my master's degree i wanted to get under the motivations and kind of environments that my urban students live in because mm-hmm. there's so, so many of them are demotivated and mm-hmm. that motivation ends up being eroded away the more I incorporate them into my classroom and the more intentional I am. I think the biggest problem, at least in terms of education on the teacher level, is uh, prep work. 
Technology mm-hmm. takes a lot of prep work. It just does. It does. And other types of mediums take prep work too. But if you've never used technology before, it takes internal prep work and understanding of what apparatus you're using before you present it to children. And mm-hmm. that I think is a huge stopgap. And I feel like that's why a lot of some of these um, uh, philosophies and educators are like no screens. And I and in and, and, and a hard it's because stop. they don't understand it. Right. Or they don't understand how, just how beneficial something can be or how accessible it is. They want to say no screen times. I think that sometimes comes with a, from a position of privilege where they might have access to third spaces like libraries, right? In those neighborhoods, parks that are safe and clean mm-hmm. to be at. There's a certain level of, uh, of privilege that is attached to uh, no screen time. Sometimes a screen is the only thing you have in your house to entertain your child. You've got that one TV and you're trying to make that TV work in a hundred different thousand ways to try mm-hmm. and entertain, educate, or, um, you know, create play for your child. And it has the ability to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is we fundamentally understand technology, but it's totally a cop-out, I believe, to just say no screens. It's just very easy to say no screens. It's very easy to say that this is bad. Um, but as we see, and as we've mentioned before, as technology grows, we should be growing with it. We should be having right. more um, technology in the educational spaces. And I've kind of seen a shift towards that after COVID, especially with classes being online now, um, right. especially and especially like in the classrooms too, because they're saying um, they don't want us to sanitize as much toys. They want us to use um, technology more um, in a more effective way. Um, right. And I think these professional developments and these courses that we're taking um, to further our education need to teach us more how to incorporate technology in right. our educational spaces. And that's all, every time I go, when I, whenever I was doing supplemental work, because, you know, with a master's degree, you have your core classes, but then you're required to take a certain level of just any classes out of 5,000 or whatever level it is, um, mm-hmm. just in education. I religiously only took technology and education classes because yes. I wanted to know all of the options. This past year, I had to teach students. I'm used to teaching students with um, IEPs included with my students who are just maybe low readers. So I, I have special ed inclusion as my class. That was my thing for three years. Mm-hmm. They, they, threw me a, um, they threw me in there um, and had me teaching my kids who, who have English as their second language or don't have English as a language at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, coming in, speak, I had kids who spoke Portuguese coming in who just got to America in June, like in June before the school year started. Yeah, so and technology I, is so valuable for dual language learners and so for special education. Integral. I have gone from using laminated communication boards and AAC devices when I did ABA therapy for kids with autism. Um, And those kids hated flipping through those binders. Um, The pages would get stuck. They didn't like the texture of the laminator. Um, The icon that they wanted wasn't on there. When I use an AAC device on an iPad, I can take a picture of something in real time, add Mm -hmm. it as an icon, and that kid can then say, I want apple slices oh that's but the mcdonald's one specifically of course i'm cracking up (laughs) but see i i for my for my language learners it was integral because i i I, in this one technology class i had found this uh amazing resource called wakelet it's my favorite website because it allows you to put any text 
in there and students can self choose the language self choose whether they want to read it as a paragraph line by line or a couple lines at a time or all at once it will play an audio of someone reading it out loud to you it'll highlight the parts of speech if you needed to it does all of that by itself so i all mm -hmm. i had to do was sit my little portuguese babies my little spanish dominican babies sit them down teach them how to use it once mm -hmm. and they had it for the rest of the year any text i needed them to read they self-read and worked with the rest of the year and that and that makes it amazing. so much easier for you to meet their goals right. to meet their learning goals to meet their educational goals to meet their even their iep goals right um there's just so many ways that you can accommodate a student using tech right Okay, well, thank you. But the last question that I have is we've kind of been brushing on it and touching on it, but I want to hear um, your last thoughts on how can we as teachers and as a society kind of move past this hatred of tech um, and change the dialogue to truly help children develop in this modern world? Um, I think we need to be intentional. I think we need to stop saying things are, I've had heard teachers say things are too hard. I just don't understand it. All of these different things where they don't, they engage with it one time and they're not an expert and they abandon it. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's very often in, in it's the complete antithesis of we tell of what we tell children. We literally tell them to try and try and try and try and to have grit and to have, um, you know, what's what the heck is it called? Uh, healthy struggle. But we won't mm -hmm. engage that healthy struggle ourselves to one, either monitor technology or incorporate it in an intentional way. Very often I have parents um, because, you know, seventh grade is when when children like to while out. Um, and I'll have parents literally ask me, a childless adult, for parenting advice. Yep, parenting <laughs> advice almost, 101. I know. And it almost always comes down to your child cannot have full 100% access to their phone because they're choosing mm -hmm. that over anything else, over my instructional technology, over it's not. It's about motivation. Right. And I'm, and I have these conversations with parents all the time and there's always like a laundry list of excuses and reasons as to why they cannot take that phone away from the child. But mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's because it's the easier option. It's because it's the option without a healthy struggle. You might have to have some antithesis between you and your child for a moment because you're now starting to regulate something you left unregulated. Anything unregulated runs wild, especially children and mm -hmm. especially technology, because the resources are so vast that if we're not being intentional about what we present in front of children, then they are going to have full access to the vast uh, majority of the Internet. And we already know there's crazies on there. Yes. And I believe that um, the easy way out, a lot of people, a lot of parents, a lot of teachers, um, we tend to work in absolutes. We're either right. like there is screens or there's no screens right. and how we can move past that. Um, this just blatant disregard and this hatred is by just incorporating it more. Um, you have to be present more. It's going to take right. work. You have to monitor um, the amount of screen time that your child's going to get and the quality of screen time that they're going right. to get. Um, I believe that there's value in entertainment screen time. I believe that there's value in educational screen time. It's not just 
um, one or the other. You need to find a unique balance that works for your right. child's motivation specifically, um, mm-hmm. especially with my young kids. Um, their older kids, might, their older brothers and sisters might have phones, might have TikToks, and might start introducing them to this content and while you're moderating content for the older child you have to also consider moderating the content for the younger child and kind of speaking and having that dialogue with the older child saying hey do you think you should have been watching this when you were two years old or do you think that this is appropriate for your two-year-old to um see or understand do you think that they can understand this and having those talks can be short they can be short, they could be sweet, and children have the capacity to understand, as we said before. They They're very do. competent people. Especially with the with the infancy, there are age-appropriate screens for very small babies. That's why that there the is. big the big Miss Rachel craze on YouTube, where one, she the way that her videos are formatted, she's an educator. She's somebody who has done the research for infant development and literally created a platform of learning access for that level of development. It's not mm-hmm. like it's not TV. It's it's uh, structured as if it's a FaceTime call, and that mm-hmm. and it's focused on facial expressions. It's focused on language. All of those things that an infant is going to interact positively with um, somebody with a bright facial expression that looks like a phone call. That's structured as if it's a conversation, and is not just you know uh, rapid fire. It's slow. It's mm-hmm. it's not Coco Melon. It's definitely. <laughs> don't get a start on coco melon but overstimulated by any means like there are there are calm, neutral colors yep and she speaks in that calm tone she doesn't use uh like a total baby voice she uses like right. a teacher voice and right. it's just so valuable um that these kids have somebody who has those skills and then the because too, some parents don't have access to that or they don't have, they don't have access skills. yeah I have so many, there are so many young parents, so many parents my age or younger who are basically thrust into parenthood and are learning as fast as they can, but they're not learning as fast as their baby is learning. And that's Mm -hmm. just, that's just common. So I feel like pulling resources that uh, if they, if a parent already has a phone, they have resources. And if we start saying no screen time, zero screen time, you're denying that parent most like a wealth of resources. Mm Mm-hmm. And then those resources that the parents can use and have at the power at their fingertips, give them more opportunities to spend with their child. Um, I feel like a lot of parents, and I'll probably get on to this on my next episode, um, don't play with their kids. Um, And so when they have this idea that no screen time, but I'm also not going to play with my kids, then what are you doing? And then for my parents too, I, I always say I work at a working parent school. I have parents that work three jobs, a bazillion mm-hmm. hours. By the time they get home, they're ready to sleep. Sometimes that low energy screen time is the most quality time that they have energy for. And that is not invaluable. You can't just negate no screen time for your child. Sometimes, like for example, some of my favorite bonding moments with my parents and with my siblings is just watching the same cartoon every week. Hey Arnold was my jam. Mm-hmm. I have certain hey Arnold was of so good. It was so good. The writing was so good. It was interesting. They never hit you over the head really hard with the lesson, but it was always very engaging and it's a warm memory and it's warm time with the family which is invaluable which i feel like is literally the power of play sometimes 
Mm-hmm. It's just the power of quality time, and you have to use what is just readily available, what's um, impactful, what's powerful. And screens can be impactful and powerful for good and for bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on and discussing screens with me. I hope that we um, covered everything that we we know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, well, I'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye.